0: This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, January 9th of 2020, it's episode 169. In this episode, old age and retirement, plus blasphemy at the gaming table, princes of the apocalypse, learning to knit, different opinions about mechanizing age in gaming, and
1: more.
2: Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. Here we are. It's uh, it's 2020 for real this time. Yeah, this
0: is the first episode we're recording in 2020, so that's kind of that's interesting.
2: Right. Oh yeah, it is. And despite the world's efforts, I don't have a drink in my hand as we record. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting week, let's just
3: say that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Whew. We have had a pretty busy week or so ourselves. We're doing a Patreon topic. I had fallen a little bit behind on those. Peter was kind enough to catch up on that. So thank you. We are doing old age and retirement. And this one won by
0: a landslide. I put the poll out there and this almost immediately grabbed three quarters of the vote and stayed there. So well, there you go. This was not even a close one. People want to hear about characters that are so old. So here we are to oblige, or maybe they just wanted to hear me do my old man voice, or maybe they were hoping I would never do it again, in which case, ha ha.
2: <laughs> I will let people comment on that in the, on the <laughs> As episode. As well they should. Yeah. <laughs> we also ran our first, I would say, real session of the Princes of the Apocalypse campaign I've been running, which I think went well.
1: I had fun. I guess it was
0: actually the second session. The first one was mostly just, oh, let's walk around the town. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was the first plot session.
2: First session where anyone rolled a die. Yeah. yeah,
1: I had a lot of fun.
2: I had a lot of fun with Croucher yeah, that, too. That was a <laughs> Croucher. That was great. just like goofy
0: fun. I'm amazed at how like just playing a bard adjusted my roleplay, too. Sigvard is nothing like
3: Lambert. <laughs> I
0: mean, there's there's the occasional like random act of compassion there, I suppose,
2: but attitude wise and stuff, no. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
2: everybody in this game kind of has. So, okay, let's talk about this very quickly. One of the things that we sort of said going into this game was nobody should really feel obligated to make a deep character.
1: <laughs> Oops. I know.
2: <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to get back to me on Croucher's weird hand patron. Um, <laughs> Did you
0: see that link I left in our game group's Discord, by the way?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to comment, but I also don't want to tell you anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Entirely fair. But one of the things that I think that has kind of freed people up to do is feel like, well, you know, if we're not going to be doing huge amounts of serious backstory and roleplay, these don't have to be characters who are quite as sympathetic. My wife is playing a chaotic neutral barbarian.
0: I mean, she played a chaotic neutral rogue in the last D&D campaign you ran. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. But
2: the point is, she, her, what's her job? Adventurer. What does she do? Hit things. Yeah, like she's a a folk hero because people just keep attributing heroism to things that she does because she's getting paid. (laughs) That's her story. That's the end of it. And as a result of that, I feel like people have been willing to sort of take a risk on a couple of characters just to be like, you know what? I'm going to throw this out here because eh, it's just a module.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And it's worked out shockingly well. I don't feel like if I play this kind of
0: goofball bard whose response to Undead is not, oh, what a horrible fate these people have suffered, or these things are evil and must be cleaned, but ew, it's rotting. Get it away. Yes. (laughs) Or would you please stop dropping rocks on me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Two rock drop traps in the first dungeon within, what, 15 minutes of playtime
2: of each other? Oh, no, no. It was like 45 minutes because it took forever. Yeah, Yeah, well. But, yeah, also, I will say this. 15 minutes of in-game time, certainly. Not to be super spoilery for Prince of the Apocalypse, but this module's already had one of my favorite traps I've ever seen in any game, which is two zombies told, stand above the door with this box of rocks and drop it on anyone who comes in. (laughs)
3: Yeah, that was pretty great. (laughs)
2: It's it's really good. It's just, yeah. That's that's what zombies would do. Fair enough. Funk. Uh, um, and then Jenny has apparently taken "eh, do whatever" to mean I'm going to create the deepest character <laughs> I've ever made and creep everyone out. So I'm excited.
1: It's. Actually, I I, I don't know if she's the deepest character I've ever made because like I used to make really deep characters and not tell sure. anybody <laughs> and just like have these super secret backstories that just didn't come into play at all because it wasn't that kind of game.
0: The most like visibly apparent depth, perhaps?
1: I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I could also just have made somebody who's real obsessed with hands like like that's that's the other thing. She doesn't have to have this super deep backstory. If I don't feel like it that day, I can just do the hand shtick and and that's it. Yeah,
2: it is kind of freeing.
1: Very freeing. I I don't think I. this is a weird thing to say. She is probably the least like me of any character I've ever played, while Mm. also being the absolute most fun. I've not had this fun with a voice
2: ever. I love Croucher's voice. Can I just say I love the like gentle caring sound that you it, like, Croucher just sounds it's like a, a nurse at a bedside with a dying patient like, I, it's okay, it's alright except you're only talking to people's hands
3: Yes!
1: <laughs> <laughs> should, should I do some of the voice for the listeners?
2: I mean, if you want.
1: I kind of want it's just so easy to slip into Croucher's voice it's so so natural she just has such a deep caring and love for beautiful hands and their beautiful works. It's so much fun to play Croucher. And And I have a great creepier when
2: everyone knows this is a warlock. Yeah.
1: Um. (laughs) A halfling warlock who never shows her own hands. Yeah, I mean if this was if this was a life
0: cleric, that would be like, oh that's very soothing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Nope. No, I try to put some
1: tremor in there. I'm not great at tremor, but I'm trying to put some tremor in there to sort of make it not as soothing. Just make it a little right. bit like Uncanny Valley-ish in terms of settling and versus unsettling. No, it's, yeah. it's
2: going really well. I, I think everyone's having a lot of fun. Our fourth player is having a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. I think she's really kind of enjoying the character, and I... I I think the problem that
0: our poor, long-suffering fourth player has has had, if she's got any real complaints with our gaming group, it's that she never gets to play the same character for any significant length of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, she's, I think this is the fourth character that she's made since she joined us
2: about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that this actually lasts for a while and we... Me too. You know give yeah, her a chance because I'm having a lot of fun because yeah. it gives it frees me up to do all the favorite parts I have of GMing, which is make silly voices for evil characters. You know, it's just it's good fun. You guys all got to beat up a necromancer and everybody loved that.
3: Yeah,
0: it has also kind of because it's just a module and because it's not somebody's deep handcrafted campaign and stuff. I feel like I don't have to take it as seriously,
2: which is new territory for me. It is. That's the thing. Sigvard is not as serious a character. You're just goofing off and like, would you please stop? Not, you know, what is the deep meaning of this? And, you know, can I cry about it?
0: Yeah, like I'm going to go grapple with the violence I have done after this is over. No, no. Sigvard just doesn't want rotting bits on him and wants to get paid. He's he is definitely a good character because I find those most enjoyable, but yeah, he's he's not Lambert, <laughs> not at all. He, he's more blase. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got um, blase is probably a, a good word for it. It's like, eh, you know, I'll just do the best I can and hope it works out, you know, and he is going to do the best he can, but he's not going to angst about it at all.
2: Yeah, ever. of course. <laughs> and it's it's worked out very well, except for all the rocks on your head
0: yeah well hey he dodged the entire first batch of rocks so that was something
2: yep fair enough
0: not that second batch though <laughs> yeah, yeah well that was a meaner batch it was a meaner batch <laughs> what else have we got going on uh i've been on vacation for like the last week which has been nice i haven't mm-hmm. had to get up with an alarm clock for like six days running
2: now this is wonderful <laughs> excellent jenny anything you got going on
1: honestly not really first session of the new year with the kiddos starts this saturday i'm Mm. trying to figure out how to to keep two of them in particular interested in court
3: proceedings
1: (laughs) i don't know if i'll be able to do it but what i'm thinking is like how old is
0: the oldest in your group just can you tell me that or
1: uh 13
0: and the youngest
1: 13 okay they're all in the same grade like okay it's perfect that's right on the edge there yeah, Right so like, on the edge there. And two of them in particular are like so action heavy. Two barbarians, right? Like what are they going to do during a court scene? So what I'm thinking is I might actually split the party and have the two barbarians go off and do something else. Yeah. Um, while the yeah. one player who really likes to get into the dialogue kind of role play do all of the court proceedings and being a witness on the stand and whatever. I don't know how courts work, but I'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: I actually do have two other bits of gaming news that this brought up. One of the things that I have been doing over vacation is because I was kind of slacking on this in my uh, Sunday game that I'm running with some of our listeners is I've been going through and populating World Anvil with stuff for other DMs, GMs doing that sort of thing do yourself a favor and put that stuff into World Anvil like as soon as your session wraps. (laughs) I've been doing like six articles a day for like the entire time I've been on vacation and still have many to put in. So learn from my mistake and don't do what I did. The second thing is I have started a series on the blog that some of our more design focused listeners might be interested in. I've been seeing a lot of chatter in like RPG and D&D groups about kind of translating the Souls-like game, you know, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Lords of the Fallen, that sort of thing, into D&D or other similar fantasy RPGs. A lot of the advice for that has been, well, you know, just make everything really super hard. And it's like, "Mm, that doesn't translate so well to the table. So I have started a short-ish series on that the first entry is already out the second one will probably (laughs) i say now have dropped by the time this episode releases so go take a look at that if that interests you at all uh or if you want to just look at my design process and go no you're totally off base this is what you should do instead i'll i'll take that feedback too uh something on the blog to take a look out for and i think that's all i've got anybody else
1: got anything
2: i'm learning to knit
1: oh yeah you've knitted good so far it looks nice
2: yeah, that, that one picture I posted. So this was honestly just a whim. Uh, Jenny gave me a couple of pieces of advice, which was very helpful. I got some giant forearm length knitting needles from my mother in law. They're huge. <laughs> <laughs> it, are they crafting tools or are they murder weapons? I, <laughs> well, the, dose, that's
1: why they weren't allowed on airplanes for a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: but, you know, I got, got some of those. So I've been learning that. To try and simplify this a lot, um, knitting really is mostly just two stitches used in different combinations. The knit stitch and the purl stri- stitch, and they're kind of just the reverse of each other. If you just do one stitch, you get that very stretchy knit fabric, but then the comp, and it's all kind of just one texture. Mixing them up is what creates textures, like cabling on sweaters or the, the ribbing on the uh, edge of a sweater or something like that, or a stockinette fabric. I've spent a bunch of time learning the knit stitch just to kind of get used to everything, and I just started learning the purl, which is the reverse one, and I didn't get a picture of it because... Right as I was like, I was like, man, I'm just gonna take do two more rows and then you'll get a picture of my my accomplishments for the night, and then something happened and everything fell apart and it slipped off the needles and it was just like, oh well, I guess I will unravel this and try again. But I had gotten the up to the point where I can learn to purl and I'm slowly starting to figure out what patterns mean because let me tell you, knitters have an entirely separate language that is nothing but like two and three character abbreviations. And it's nonsense. Fun fact about
0: that. You know that that was used as secret communication during World War II, right? I do not. Okay. You do now. Neat bit of historical trivia. So one of the things that resistance people would do in Europe is you'd, you'd get an old woman who knew how to knit to just kind of sit that there old. and...
1: Yeah. Not even that old. Like a lot of the time, it was like the wives of soldiers and stuff like that. Yeah, so someone, you're, you're someone right. already I'm, invested in. I'm
0: thinking of our main topic here, which is why the old crept in. You'd, you'd get somebody who knew how to knit, and they would sit there and they would watch troops go past or planes take off or any number of other things. And they would just kind of use the knit and purl stitches to do Morse code into their knitting. And then they would hand the knitting off to somebody who could get it to the allies.
1: Also, fun fact about knitting, it is used as computer code code. You could knit Doom because it's binary.
2: It is binary and thus could be Turing complete. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. This has been Knitting Facts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, it's been a fun craft. Like, I'm starting to get the, but what if I had more needles and more yarns itch? So, you know, that's (laughs) a good sign.
1: Be be careful with that, with getting into that one too early, because I made a mistake right off the bat.
2: Oh, really?
1: When I started crocheting, Impulse bought some lace hooks.
2: Ooh, uh, that sounds complicated.
1: Oh, they're just very, very small. As in, like, smaller than your average pencil lead, small. Oh, and boy. They're very pretty. And I should not have started using those as early as I did, and now I'm too scared.
2: <laughs> oh, I see. Fair oh, no.
1: Not, not tell it. I'm not saying like, don't get enthusiastically into knitting. Absolutely get enthusiastically into knitting. Maybe curb your desires to get every single kind of needle out there.
2: Oh, yeah. No, at this point, it's just like, man, everybody I see online uses the, the double ended ones. Can, mm-hmm. Should I? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so that's the thing. It's been fun. Let's get to our main topic. But first, we have a Patreon question and I have a die right here and I'm going to roll it. I'm going to see if I can get this under my mic just for fun. Oh, yeah, there we go. Nice
1: sound. <laughs> Very good sound.
2: Yeah. yeah. I may have to do that every time going forward. <laughs> this one is from John and Ginny Swan. We've had a couple of questions from them lately, which is pretty great. And they ask, have you ever had to deal with any real blasphemy during a game? Don't think so. Uh, mostly
0: the games that I've been in have been uh, like wholly fictional uh pantheons or if they have taken place in the real world people have not really messed with religion at all like i i played a survival horror game that took place on an oil rig in um one of the fear the cons a while back that jeb brack ran and i don't think religion came up at all who was like hey these guys are zombies maybe we should find a crowbar and a shotgun so we don't get eaten by them
2: yeah yeah
1: i'm i'm trying to think myself
2: my problem is that so. if if there's real blasphemy happening during a game, it's probably because I'm running a horror game. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm going, hey, guys, let's play inspectors. Here's a demon, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, that's kind of on me. But it's also the genre that we have established as what we're doing. That doesn't. And that that's part of the fiction. It's not like I have I don't also don't play with, like, random people who bring their own issues into the game, you know, and want to just kind of be angry in game.
0: Yeah, you deal. You play with the same group of well-known people who bring their own issues into the game. (laughs) Right.
2: And it's a support group at that
0: point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, like, I have never I don't think really had somebody in game talk smack about God either. I have definitely, like, had people with very different worldviews than me as friends and gaming buddies, and that occasionally caused some friction. Not so much in, like, the last decade, honestly, and the person that I had the most friction on that stuff with, and I have kind of learned to not poke each other's differences and get along pretty well now,
2: so... Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, the only other game I can think of... Where that came up, part of it is I am pretty good about separating the fiction of a game from my personal feelings about anything. You know, if somebody is playing a terrible human being as a character, I accept that. It's not necessarily a reflection of them. Yeah. Now, unless, you know, they don't know how to play anyone else because they're just playing themselves, at which point I don't really want to play with them. But if I'm playing with good friends, please play the worst people in the world. It will be fun for us to bounce off of. It will turn into a Reservoir Dogs kind of game. (laughs) And, you know, we'll all
0: hug afterwards and go get Chinese. I have a little more difficulty achieving that separation, so...
1: Yeah. I think the closest I've gotten is is similar to Peter. It was like, talking with the person after the game, this individual was like, yeah, no, I had a really difficult time playing this character, and it ended up being something like... That I personally find morally reprehensible, but it wasn't explicitly, like, blasphemous in a religious sense. It was more along the lines of, because I don't think such and such a group should have as many rights as they do. And I was like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> oh, Ooh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> well, I'm never playing with you again. So yeah, or at least not as... Yeah, gosh, that was a, an interesting time.
0: I think that is one of the big advantages about fictional cosmologies, though, because it's like... Talk all the smack about Lethander you want. I'm not going to get offended out of game, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a, a weird sort of no, but we appreciate the question. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a serious question, and mm-hmm. and. One I think I would love to see the
0: Discord conversation around. Mm -hmm. I will say this as one last parting thing. This is one of the reasons why I will occasionally like steal monsters and tropes and stuff from H.P. Lovecraft, but you'll never see me run an actual Call of Cthulhu style game because Lovecraft's cosmology hinges on the idea that absolutely all human religious thought or any kind of higher power is all these horrible, malign elder evil things and it's like nope (laughs) i do not want to run a world you know where that's going on and i do not want to play a player character and one like that if you want to do like the hellboy treatment where there's an actual like real benevolent god there and then there's also this other weird crazy stuff fine we can do that but full lovecraft nah. but i'm the lovecraft basher on this podcast anyways
2: so yeah well and in fairness remember he's writing that as horror Right. Mm -hmm. He's saying it is horrible if this is true. Sure. I just it's it's horrible enough where it's like, yep, and I don't want to engage with it. (laughs) And that's totally fair. Right. If you're if you're having to buy into it for a game, I mean, that can be uncomfortable. And goodness knows we have plenty of reasons to criticize H.P. Lovecraft. But, you know, let's be clear. Like racism. (sighs) It's not like the cosmology he's setting up is he's not setting it up as a comfortable thing.
0: No, certainly not. I mean, Jenny, you had something you wanted to throw in?
1: Peter, I could absolutely run you a Call of Cthulhu game that you would love. Eh, I could do it.
0: Maybe we'll have to do that at a con sometime.
1: I would not be basing it off of H.P. Lovecraft. I would be basing it primarily off of the writings of Jeff Vandermeer, who Ah, you have read a bunch of stuff from. But I can and absolutely will if you want me to run you a call of cthulhu game that you would enjoy
2: the nice thing about call of cthulhu is that it's based off more than just H.P. lovecraft's core works there's a lot of yeah i
0: mean you've got you know like august Derleth. yeah
2: there's all of that stuff and you can expand it out and the system is flexible enough and the tone is appropriate enough that you can do a lot of other interesting stuff mm-hmm. so
1: it is it is made for i think the genre is called new weird really well it is really really well made for that
2: so there we go John and Jenny, really appreciate the question. It's a good one. If anybody has their own question that they want to send in to us, please go ahead and do so. And if you aren't a Patreon supporter, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month, and that helps keep us that helps keep us on the air and gives you the opportunity to answer, you know, send in questions and see our show notes and get your own color in our Discord and all that good stuff. So lots of, lots of rewards, and if you want to support us for more, trust me it helps a great deal. Speaking of the, uh, the whole Discord
0: colors thing, I have had exactly three people take me up on that so far, and we have more patrons than that. So just, you know, once again, there was no time limit on this. If you are a patron of ours and you want to get your, you know, colored user ID in our Discord, just get in touch with me.
2: Probably through the Discord is the best way to do it, and I will set you up. And if by some chance you're sitting here going, well, I'm a Patreon supporter, but I'm not on the Discord, that sounds like work. You are missing out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful Discord community. Yeah, it's great, folks. We've got some scripture to read. So this is Genesis 25, verse 8. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. And this is Proverbs 16, verses
0: 31 and 32. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city.
1: And Luke, chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem.
3: Our
2: topic is is aging and retirement. Old age and retirement. Are we all in agreement that this is an underutilized trope in our role-playing games? Oh, yeah. Cer-
1: certainly from the side of the of the players, yes, absolutely.
2: I think GMs, when they're world-building, are more than happy to populate the world with old characters and, you know, wise uh, clue-givers and that sort of thing. But from the player's side, I think absolutely we do not take advantage of it enough.
0: What's the oldest player that, like, in human years, because I know elves are a little bit of a difference, but what's the oldest player that either one of you has ever played?
1: I did actually play a very old lady once in a one-shot game. I played, I think she would have been 70-something, and it was just for a one-shot. I've barely ever played someone who is, like actually old
2: I rarely play anyone who's old either. Um, some of that is just because I tend to GM, but also when I'm playing characters, they tend to be they tend to be a lot younger than me or not not a lot younger. they tend to be young enough to do physical stuff because I enjoy doing a lot of the the very physical activity in role-playing games and that's actually I think one reason that this is underutilized. Yeah, a lot of games are about physical heroics. That makes it difficult to have a very old character who may not be as statistically uh, strong in, you know, whatever rules system. It makes that tricky. The 3D and D stats of strength, Dex, and, you know,
0: Con are going to degrade as you get older. You get more frail, your reflexes slow down, and your muscle mass goes away. I mean, Lambert was probably the oldest character that I've played, and he was 42, which is a year older than I am in real life right now. And let me tell you, I'm not that old, but I'm definitely feeling the effects of not being in my 30s anymore.
1: I think this sort of points to an issue that I recall being brought up when Anna came to Overwatch. No one could think of a single playable lady video game character older than Mm -hmm.
0: 40-something. And then... How old is Anna? I don't know. Over oh, she's in
1: her sixties at least.
0: Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Gray ha- gray haired old sniper. Yep.
1: Under, under representation of elderly people, especially, especially elderly, elderly
2: women. women yeah. S- yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is is a massive problem, kind of everywhere in media. And I think like that lack of
0: representation of older women in particular is really like tragic. Because uh, some of my some of my favorite people walking around on the planet are women over fifty. Mm-hmm. I had some coworkers back at a previous job that were you know nearing retirement age, and I thought they were fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is the tropes that we associate with that. Whether we, I blame Hollywood yeah. for a lot of this. Honestly. Well, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, we were talking about knitting, and you threw out the you know the old lady with her knitting. As a trope. Yeah, that's true. You know? It and I, I went right along with it. It was like, oh yeah, yeah. Because that's how we tend to think of it. Thank goodness Jenny was here to call us on that. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. But but that's the thing. It's it's so baked in that we often don't think about it. Yeah. There's true. another reason too, by the way, that I think retirement is not used much in many campaigns, and that's simply because a lot of campaigns are about a short period of time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. one to five
0: years, a lot of the time at the most, sometimes just a few months. The other thing, and I just kind of thought of this as we were sitting here one of the other reasons why it probably doesn't show up in a lot of campaigns is people get into role playing young and they don't have experience even secondhand with retirement, except for maybe some grandparents that they see occasionally. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. now that my mom and dad, and I know you wanted to talk about this too, and we'll probably get into this later in the episode, but like now that my mom and dad have retired, I have some thoughts about that, (laughs) you know, because I've I've seen like how that looks and you know what that's giving them, and this is like a really cool like joyous time in their life and stuff, and it's like, huh, okay.
1: I think I'm I'm very lucky in that I was exposed to and was encouraged to interact with a wide variety of age groups, um, especially through my church community, from a very young age. So I've never hmm, I won't say never because I played the same character over and over again all throughout middle school, but like from, you know, late high school on, I've had very little difficulty playing older characters or younger characters. I, I, can, I can age swap through characters pretty easily. I don't know, hearing you guys talk about I, I just it, it just occurred to me that some kids might not know old people <laughs> and like I don't know that's just been such a, a fixture of my life.
0: I think some of it also was that up until fairly recently there weren't a whole lot of old people in my life that I would have really wanted to base a character on. Like there, some of oh, them really? were, oh, okay. were pretty unpleasant and others were just like you're a very nice person but I can't picture you as an adventurer at all.
2: Yeah. Okay,
1: that may also be growing up in the rural Canadian wilderness cuz like Yeah, I
2: think everybody. maybe that played a larger <laughs> role than you're giving it credit I'm for. I'm sort of in the same boat as Peter because both of my you know all of my grandparents lived in Florida. Mm. You know, it's a minimum of like 10 hours to drive and see them. We just didn't do that much. There was one older couple that we interacted with and my, my parents actually never had friends growing up, like at all. They just did not make friends and did not have people over and did not go out to, you know, parties or anything. They just literally worked, came home and, you know, did stuff at home. Yeah, that was pretty much mine too. I didn't interact with anyone older at any point. Hmm. So it's, it is kind of that, that exposure thing.
1: And, and there is also a massive cultural problem of sort of like shutting away the old, which mm-hmm. I could go on about mm. for ages, Uh-oh. especially Me considering too. the way that my grandmother was treated when she was in long-term care. Oh, I've got words for some people that I will not say out loud on this podcast.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're dealing with that right now because my grandmother just went to hospice care mm. and it's not because there's anything especially wrong. She just keeps falling and she's got some dementia and so doesn't remember to use her walker, mm. you know, things like that. And so she's just kind of in, in a state where she needs really serious long-term care. Mm-hmm. But that has been a process. I mean, I think I talked about this, you know, my parents suddenly, you know, went down to, you know, in May cause, Oh, you know, grandma fell. We got to go check things out. And then they spent two months in Florida they had no plans to do this. It ruined one of their vacations that they had planned to to Spain and Barcelona and they had to reschedule everything because there had been no no planning for mm-hmm. for this. Oof. And grandma hadn't made any plans for herself. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, we need to catch up on what should have been done over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's, that's was, a
0: rough thing to do. And what was it about two months or something that they were down there for? Yeah. It's yeah. like,
2: OK, what is her insurance? Do we know anything about her insurance?
0: Oh, it's, it's always the worst when you have to do all the paperwork and, you know, like figure out what it is. And the person themselves yeah. may have forgotten. And, oh. Yeah. What,
2: what is grandma's financial situation? Oh, I'm, it's terrible. What can we do about that? Yeah. And things like and that. see, this
1: yeah. is in a way what I'm talking about. We in other cultures, the immediate response would be, oh, grandma fell. Yes, she's living with us now. Right. And so in our culture, we distance ourselves from our elders. I don't blame yeah. anybody for doing this at all. I'm not saying that it's like a bad decision, but it leads to this problem where elders are no longer part of people's lives as nearly as much.
2: And yeah, I, I will say that in this specific case, there's a lot of family issues.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, like absolutely, like this it's specific like, case is it, That's I, the right. Decision. I've mentioned,
2: I think I've mentioned before, like my my grandfather was a drunk, abusive. Jerk. And my grandfather was a
0: verbally abusive, like, narcissist. So, Oh, no,
2: this was uh, cut the phone line so the p- kids can't call the police. Oh, OK. Whole other um, level. Gotcha. Th- yeah. Not great. So that kind of scarred that whole side of the family. Nobody gets along with anyone. I think I'm seeing a little uptick and, and we're getting way off topic, but that's OK. I'm seeing a little uptick in people bringing older family members into the home. Some of that may just be you know, financial financial situation of, of things. Mm-hmm. But by and large, there is an out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to deal with this because it's kind of painful mm-hmm. kind of thing. And certainly very few people die at home unless it's, you know, a, an acute medical issue, you know, yeah. like a heart attack or something.
0: Massive heart attack or stroke, yeah.
1: Anyway, we have this culture of shutting away the old. What are we going to do about it in our games?
0: <laughs> in our games,
2: yes. Well, we should stop ignoring it. <laughs> Thank you for bringing us back on track. <laughs> you know, as as player characters, some of this is that I think it's important that characters have older people in their lives. Step away from the PC bit for a moment. If you're making a character, we're, we all kind of joke about the bit about, you know, how JRPG and uh, protagonists can't actually take on the protagonist role until everybody they know and love is dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a tired old trope. (laughs) It is. But yeah, and I understand why it frees people from attachments and they can go out and do adventuring, right? Also completely frees them from a support network. Uh, I know. Mm -hmm. But but we're talking about a JRPG where it's, you know, a weird specific action story, right? right? But in a role playing game, a tabletop game, those connections and support networks are actually super important and they're fun and they can be explored without detracting from the overall plot. And so those are awesome. Don't make it all people your age or, you know, like a spouse, a kid, something like that. Have parents and have grandparents and have a wise old uncle, you know, or a crazy old
0: uncle who's always getting into problems.
2: Yeah. I'm going to be talking about Uncle Iroh a lot because I'm like I just finished season two of Avatar and <laughs> yay, Iro. but, <laughs> Yeah, Iroh. But Yeah, Iroh is awesome. <laughs> you know, but but that idea of, hey, here's somebody old who, by the way, is a really good adventure, you know, adventuring sort of character, in part because of his age, but is also a really good mentor and a character to have around for the other characters. He kind of serves both roles. There are, I mean, we're gonna be talking about characters who are mostly retirement age. Middle age and old age characters are certainly people that this probably applies to the traditional adventuring age of like 13 to 35. Probably we're going to kind of leave out of this one for the most Mm -hmm. part. And bear in mind, this is all relative, right? If we're talking about elves, multiply it by 40 or whatever and same thing, right? If we're kind of talking about. These older characters, there are a few tropey roles for these. The old wizard, the Gandalf style.
0: Yeah, somebody who's still at it, who never really stopped adventuring and, you know, who's still very active in it. And like, wizards are kind of, they're, they're kind of the stereotype, right? Like, yeah. a lot of the time, a wizard in a fantasy story is at least 70 years old. You know, they've got these big, long, white beards and, you know, like, you know, the They're kind of leaning on a staff. Yeah. It's either the kid wizard who's
2: just learning or the wise old mentor.
1: And a lot of the time it has to do with like 35
2: to 50 year old wizards. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's this weird age gap. Maybe magic just ages you. (laughs) And Jenny, I I think you're right where it's, you know, are they the smart aleck kid or. Like I I was
1: thinking like the prodigy versus the mentor. It's a it's a dichotomy Mm, that comes up a whole lot in all sorts of fantasy fiction.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It does. Yeah, there are a the couple stone. of really good twists on this. Peter's example is probably my favorite as well. The Silver Horde from Terry Pratchett's Discworld <laughs> books, <laughs> Just which these, is these old barbarians, like 80 plus year old barbarian heroes. The reason that they are so old is they're really, really good. And th- he gets into this a couple of times where it's, wait, we, you know, of course we can take them. They're old. And then, you know, the, they fight off an army and everybody kind of goes, oh, right. They've lived this long. Yeah, yeah, these they're, are the old bold soldiers that aren't supposed to exist. Right, they're extremely funny, and if you have not read Discworld books involving them, please go do so.
1: I have not read any Discworld books involving them, to the best of my
2: knowledge. Oh, oh. find uh, you! I've read fun. a lot of
1: Discworld books. I think I've just missed every single book.
2: That are, are you they're... like me, and you kind of skipped the Rincewind ones?
1: I so I started with Rincewind.
2: Okay, he. Um, they are mostly tied in with Rincewind.
1: Okay, I I may have just read them and forgotten because I started reading Pratchett pretty young.
0: <laughs> There's one that that they make a prominent appearance in, that's like the illustrated one. it's got beautiful like I think it's the Last Elephant or something like that. It's beautiful full color illustrations all through it, and they're
2: heading up like the the spire in the middle of the Disc World where the gods right. are. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a cool one. There's another one where it's him sort of kind of using the mysterious East as a trope.
1: Oh, uh, is that Jingo?
2: It's not Jingo. It's not Jingo. It's okay. one w- where Rincewind is involved and like gets teleported there. Mm. It's not The Last yes. Continent, is it? Interesting I think times. It is. I think it's interesting times. Actually. Yes, interesting times. That's the one. Because
1: I've read La- Last Continent was the first Pratchett I read and they weren't in it to the best of my knowledge.
2: Last Continent is sort of an Australia jo- uh, take. Yeah. as I recall, whereas yes, interesting is. times is sort of a, a playing into that British idea of, you know, China as a colonial power and sort mm. of poking holes in that. But it definitely has this other very cool story of these old barbarians who are being a D and D adventuring party and getting ready to steal something and spoilers i'm not going to say what it is but it's very cool and i recommend
0: it bears mentioning as we're talking about this that terry pratchett was not a racist but he was sure good at skewering them oh yeah Yeah, it's it's good stuff
2: so we've kind of touched on mentors a little bit i swear the older they are the better they are a lot of the
0: time yeah i mean it like the ancient like you know martial arts sensei that's used you know key to keep himself alive for 200 years Mm -hmm. Probably is the most awesome teacher on the entire planet.
2: Uh, And these are usually NPCs. This is a good thing to retire a character into. Works out well, especially if you're doing like a, you know, an epilogue game like 20 years later. Here's our, you know, here's our old characters mentoring the next generation. That kind of thing works out well.
0: I think it would also be cool to run a game where you had one character who was playing a mentor character who had a lot of like life experience, who was trying to guide a bunch of characters that were like mechanically equivalent in the system to them. So you don't have like the whole Doc Savage in his people thing but they don't have the experience and they've just got like all this raw power so this guy is trying to corral these very powerful youngsters i mean that was lambert shape them and stuff that was <laughs> lambert but i mean doing it intentionally you know yeah, yeah. yeah no i i agree
1: i'd like to see it with just like one mentor and one student
2: mm-hmm.
1: one gm2 players
2: that was almost lambert <laughs> that would actually work really well in something like legend of the five rings Hmm. I would love, like, a a two-person party or, like, a three-person party, like, one GM and two players, something like that. You could get a lot out of that dynamic.
0: It would work really well in Pendragon, too. Like, that that would—the old knight and young knight thing would work
2: really well in an Arthurian game. There's also the classic one-last-job-call-me-out-of-retirement kind of trope. (laughs) Usually this is, you know— Criminal. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, they've been retired to prison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also sometimes military or spies, right? Mm-hmm. You get that a great deal. Every once in a while, you
0: get it with superheroes, too. Uh, Batman Beyond is basically this where it, kind of in reverse, where it's like he tried to stay in retire, or, you know, tried, tried to, to stay, stay off and... retirement for too long and then needed to call somebody new in.
1: Have you guys heard of a book called Agent Jack?
0: I have not.
1: So I have not actually read this yet because my library does not yet have the copy. I have heard that it is in a box that is waiting to be shipped to my library and I will catalog it as quick as I can so I can immediately take it out. But it's about one of the most effective spies in World War II who got called out of retirement to advise MI5 on on soviet spies within like double agents within their network
0: oh i'll bet that's amazing and all of his
1: predictions were 100 accurate even though he stayed in british columbia the whole dang time
2: nice wow (laughs) so
1: like (laughs) yeah cool guy agent jack i'm really looking forward to that book
2: one fun bit of media that i very strongly recommend that twists this trope a little bit john Scalzi's old man's war it's an Excellent piece of science fiction about people fighting in a distant uh, space war. And so what the government of Earth has decided to do is instead of sending off young people, they take old people and kind of basically give them super soldier serum Hmm. because relativity is a thing. Yeah. These people will, for all intents and purposes, you know, everybody they know and love will be dead by the time they reach the battlefield just due to relativity. Let's go ahead and take old people who, by the way, are wiser and have learned a lot and are actually capable and then give them Steve Rogers bodies
3: and see what happens.
0: Cruelest retirement ever, but there's a certain logic to it. Well, yeah, but it's also,
2: hey, would you like to be young again? Yeah, because it's not like they take the body away when you leave the battlefield hmm. That's true. So there's that that idea of going you know, like I get to be young again, but also I will be dead to my old life. And it's, it's a really good book. John Sculls. Would you like to earn author. a whole second life? Basically, is kind of the it's super cool. I really do recommend
0: it. I remember we sold a lot of that when I worked at the bookstore. I'll have to track that one down. Uh, his
2: red shirts is also great as a uh... that one. I've also heard lots of good stuff about. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good send up of Star Trek and that that whole idea of the expendable you know, grunt on a starship.
0: There's one particular piece of move of media where it's like a good guy called out of retirement that I personally consumed in the last year and thought was just wonderful. If you have Netflix, look up a Kevin Costner movie called The Highwaymen. It's about the two, it's a true story, well, based on one anyways, about the two old Texas Rangers that get called out of retirement to track down and deal with Bonnie and Clyde. And you almost never see Bonnie and Clyde in the movie. They show up very very briefly a couple of times and then obviously at the very end when they get killed it's all just about these very smart canny old texas rangers just how they investigate and it's it's a really really good movie
2: i i just loved it (laughs) excellent let's let's do talk about retirement a little bit here usually can we talked about this before characters typically don't retire simply because of Old age. They tend to retire because they're tired of the game or the player character is tired of this character in the game.
0: <laughs> or they've lost an arm. I have done that, by the way.
2: Yeah, what's he doing? He's retiring at like 25 with his thousand gold. He's opening an inn or something, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, also the this character is hurt too badly to continue and must yeah. recuperate, you know. That's, he's lost an, he's
0: thing. lost an arm. He's lost a leg. We don't have regenerating magic in this setting. He's done, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, to use a, you know, another callback to a previous example, if your character in Ross Rifles loses a limb, he's just going back home. Yes.
2: Yeah, you know? exactly. And, of course, I think we've all used the this character's retiring as a way for a player to leave the game,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah.
2: works Perfectly fine. That is a totally acceptable way to send a character off without going, where's Bob? Eh, it's fine. That does sort of let you establish what happens to the character and give the the player some final say in what happens rather than just saying, you know what, GM, eh, do whatever with this character, I don't care. If you're the player and you're
0: playing a character that has just become totally unfun or every once in a while you know i've heard the stories where somebody makes a character and they're getting upset by their own character and it's just time to get rid of this guy sometimes like gm write this person out of the story as quickly as you can i don't care how is a valid response but sometimes you've got some fondness for that character and you would like to imagine them going off and living well in the game world Mm -hmm. and gms if that's all your player wants is for this guy to like go and retire in peace on a farm someplace do not kill the messily the next session that is not a nice thing to do I have had that done
2: to me before it was unpleasant (laughs) yeah I actually uh, in the 10 year long birthright campaign that I played I actually had a retirement plan for my character huh oh yeah yeah so to get into birthright a little bit there's this whole thing where if you have divine blood in your character uh, and it's particularly evil blood and you get super strong, you can basically become a horrifying monster that becomes like a setting level threat. I mean, that's kind of the the backstory of the Baldur's Gate video games. Yeah, but this is in a super low magic setting. Fair it, enough. It's, it's a whole thing that I do not have time to get into. There's also in some of the splat books kind of a, a good alternative to that where it sort of goes the other way and my character was basically turning uh, i played a cleric who was super duper good and was a cleric of like all the gods in the setting i borrowed the um some stuff from eberron <laughs> actually for that oh the the pantheon yeah like the, the pretty you, like you'd get a domain at every level <laughs> that okay. kind of thing yeah that was bonkers it was extremely fun and this was a super powerful character in in this otherwise very low magic setting and so my plan was to kind of turn into like a some sort of shape shifting outsider, and literally just kind of live in a church and be the janitor, huh. and just you know it's like nope, I've I've moved on and I'm just here being the the janitor who gives you know advice to anybody passing through, kind of getting into the mentor trope, right? The the right. old man giving you know weird advice that ends up working, but also kind of guarding this holy place that he had set up, that sort of thing. You know, I, I was young and stupid. It's very tropey, but. It worked. It was a fun way you out know, it's for not this a character. Bad right? set of tropes. I mean, it's it's cool. That's a cool retirement plan for a character that a lot of people and that kind of thing. I think a lot of people do want as an out for their character if they have to leave a character that they are fond of. You know, hey, I got to leave the group because you know I'm moving or you know, my schedule doesn't work anymore. Something like that. Yeah, right? this this new job or this
0: new baby or <laughs> exactly.
2: You know. And there are plenty of good in game motivations for it. You know, again, injury. Certainly happens. It could be that you roleplayed stuff out and your character decided to settle down and start a family. Yep. That happens. Or, you know, start a business. One too many
0: close calls. I mean, adventuring is dangerous. Like, if you narrowly escape death by the skin of your teeth, like, 18 times, at some point you're going to be like, you know what?
2: Maybe I don't want to die at 30. (laughs) Fun fact. One of the games that I had been pushing for our group to play, which was uh, Freebooters on the Frontier. Yeah, that's actually built into the system. Really? Yes. Where you get uh, basically your character is earning enough to be able to stop adventuring and go live a life of luxury. So there's an end point for all of your characters, which is if they survive long enough, they've made it. They've done what they came out here to do, which was get rich and not die. <laughs> they retire. Everybody waves goodbye, and one of your coterie of followers that you've created as part of the the game process is now your character. Sounds really cool. I'm it is cool. a
0: little extra sad that I was in a
2: very bad place mentally when you suggested that. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. But it's it's a neat mechanic. I like that idea of it. Really plays into that whole trope of I'm just here to get a, get rich and retire to yeah. hit, to hit it big, and that again is kind of the security thing too, right? We don't need to adventure anymore. We've got enough money, we're done. Likewise, people may just get sick of it. Yeah, I mean, adventuring is like dirty and uncomfortable and dangerous. And sure. So is shadow running. Yep. There, there's all sorts of things that yeah, you know, whatever dangerous setting you're playing in, people may just go. But what if I just became a peasant? I'd be bothered less.
1: It's also just in like if you think about it, probably mentally incredibly stressful.
2: Oh, Over yeah. A long mm-hmm.
1: period of time. Like, I, I bet you that, like, in a more realistic setting, burnout rates would be just through the roof. In oh, the goodness, adventuring. Yes.
0: Yeah. I kit, would imagine like, that, like, profession. Army Rangers have a lower rate of PTSD than adventuring parties do,
2: if you're going to be totally <laughs> realistic about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. The horrors of war. But also the, for, you know, here's the a, horrors of horrors. Yeah. Here's a beholder. So yeah. you know. Oh, look, a Shoggoth. Yeah. This is,
0: and then you know, maybe after that, an ancient dragon that wants to burn you alive and then eat you, and then perhaps after that, a Hydra, and you know, like. Oh, this was an unknown armies game. Say no
2: more. We understand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You made it through the first adventure with your sanity intact.
2: Wow, that's really good. Almost nobody does that. (laughs) (laughs) There's also kind of a trope, and I think this is a trope, and it's one that is very exploitable and a lot of fun, where the group splits up. Mm -hmm. And there's always that one, you know, maybe, you know, they fight amongst themselves and and they split up or, you know, the heat's too much and we all have to go to ground. But there's always that one character who has settled in and doesn't want to come back. Right. The retired superhero or whatever. They they like living on the beach and not having to go adventure and great. That's a kind of way to get people into that position early. But also it may just be, nah, you know what? I'm out of the game. I got my trailer on the on the beach and I don't need anything else, my dude. It's cool. (laughs) Feel free to swing by and, you know,
0: like visit anytime you want. But uh, no, I'm not going to go kick down any more doors. We're done with that. I'm
2: not sure if like incarceration counts necessarily or like exile, but because sometimes that leads to more adventuring, but certainly it can be a thing. It might also be this character was locked up for like 30 years and now can't go be an adventurer, but maybe they have something else to add to the to the landscape. And the last one that uh, I think we kind of wanted to touch on is sometimes people get promoted out of the field.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like militaries are are well known for this. Like if at some point, like if have you guys seen Band of Brothers or no, there's a moment in fairly late in the in the show where Winters is talking to another officer and he's like volunteering for something or other. And the officer looks at him and he says, if you're trying to get enough experience to get stars on your helmet, you've got enough already. And that's a reference to becoming a general. And it's like, at some point, it's like, OK, you've done well enough for long enough. It's like, we don't want to lose you to a random bullet or shell. We want to get you off the battlefield and to where you can start teaching others to survive like you have. And that is not limited to
2: military hierarchies.
1: No, it isn't. But you do you see, see it, there. it. You see it a lot here at the nuclear research facility where uh, I'm I'm fairly certain my dad has turned down promotions so that he can keep doing experiments because after a certain point you are in charge of other people who are doing experiments and you don't get to go in the lab ever again right and some people like that because i kind of brush it off a lot radiation can hurt you
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah.
1: some people don't wanna my dad does and so he wants to keep doing experiments and so instead of getting promoted he's just like yeah just give me a raise instead <laughs> so he still gets to keep doing experiments and stuff
2: sure absolutely and he should if that's mm-hmm. what he loves I will say this was baked into like early D&D with the whole idea of you know eventually mm-hmm. your character gets a castle and is a baron and that sort of thing right yeah. they, there are times when they kind of become the leader and they might occasionally be you know leading from the field but a lot of times it becomes bureaucratic
3: <laughs> so. yeah
0: and I, I think that's one thing that was kind of cool that got lost as the editions went along, Birthright was nothing but that, basically, right? But that was second edition. Third edition didn't go there. Fourth edition didn't go there. Fifth edition can go there, but you need third-party stuff, like Matt Coville did his Strongholds and Followers book, and there's some other stuff that's out there. It's no longer just baked in, and I get it. A lot of people enjoy D&D as basically like Gloomhaven with some talking in between, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For a
2: certain kind of player group. That stuff is really neat. Yeah. Third edition did have splat books that covered that stuff, but they were splat books and somewhat obscure ones at that. If
0: you're talking about the Stronghold Builders Guide, that thing was razor thin. I think that was like (laughs) 60 pages
2: or something like that. There was not much to go on. So I do want to talk about something about characters in retirement, though. They don't freeze in time when they retire. And this is something that I think this is really directed at you GMs who have previously retired You then want to bring them back in for a session as maybe a a mentor or, you know, hey, let's go see our old character. Wouldn't that be fun? They don't stay static. The idea of like, well, I've just been, you know, out here farming and haven't done anything else except farming is usually not true. Stuff comes up. Old characters get married. Maybe lose a spouse. They, you know, have family that moves in, moves out. They take long trips. You know, my parents just retired, personally, and they've been to, like, Iceland and Spain and taking these big, huge trips because now they have time to do that and they have the resources to do that. My folks retired recently, and they've been doing
0: volunteer stuff with their church. Right. Which they never had time to do before, and they are ecstatic
2: about being able to do that service now. Also, characters don't stop learning when they retire. Nope. They may have new things to, you know, to bring into the game. If you've got somebody who's in this retired state, think about how they might have changed. Please don't just say, "Yep, I've been farming peas for 35 years. Nothing else." It's it it feels shallow and tropey. Give them something interesting to have done. That's
0: really just as simple as Grant, if I were to give you, I can't, I don't have this, but if I could somehow conjure up a hundred million bucks and give it to you, so you just had endless financial security and you never had to worry about money again, I'm guessing you know exactly what you would do in that situation. Um,
2: A few cases, yeah. I've got, I've got a list of things to start on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, I'm sure you're the same way. I know I certainly am. There's all kinds of stuff that A retired character has reached a lesser state of that. Usually, they're at least somewhat financially secure or stable, and they are going to have one thing that they didn't the whole time they were working, and that's time that they can decide what to do with. Mm -hmm. They're
2: not going to do nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I really wanted to call that out as a big consideration for GMs. A couple others, if you're retiring a player character, ask, you know, talk to the player. Let them decide what kind of send-off they want. We kind of touched on that earlier. Mm-hmm. And do make those PCs present in the game once a character has retired, because it is fun to go back and talk to them. You know, it's it's an NPC everybody else knows already. You don't have to introduce them and try and convince everyone, hey, you should absolutely care about this character, I promise. That, that work's already been done by the whole player group. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's Gary. We know Gary. <laughs> you know, that, that's good fun. And of course, if you're doing like a sequel game or an epilogue game, that works super well. Quick side note, if somebody's replacing a character, don't do the, the horrible thing where you're like, well, you're coming in at level one with no resources while everyone else is level like, uh, 13. It's, yeah. it's just not fun. And I don't think anybody really does that too much anymore. But if you are... If you're doing that... Stop (laughs) it.
1: You're being a meanie. Don't do that. Quit it. Quit
0: being a meanie. One other thing that I do want to touch on. Every once in a while, a player character will get retired because unfortunately the player has passed away. Yep. Uh, We talked about this in a Patreon question back in episode 126. I don't think we need to reiterate it here. Just go back and listen to that. Mm -hmm. But we did have some specific advice for
2: in that case. Absolutely. Good call there. Uh, And players, please... Give advance notice. Give two weeks notice. Write a letter. <laughs> Br- bring a cake. <laughs> do do something to work with the GM and player and uh, other players at the table. Not just the GM, by the way. Talk to the other players and say, "Hey, I'm retiring this character because it's not just your connections with the GM that are being broken here. It's also that player character's connection with the other characters in the rest of the play group, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you need to." Make sure to talk with everyone and say, "Hey, this is happening, and I'm going to. Here's the kind of person I'm bringing in." Talk to everybody. The GM might say, "Please don't do it. You can change your mind. You could not just work work with your GM."
0: I actually, uh, you know, full disclosure, I just talked a player out of changing characters recently in my game, and in in his particular case, he was thinking that he wasn't plugged enough into the politics of the world. And it's like, uh, you might be surprised about that. And we had a nice conversation about it. And he left sounding more excited about his character. Yeah, so sometimes that exactly. can happen, too. So uh, that one other thing in that, though, is GMs, don't be afraid to share some hints about the stuff that you've got planned for a character's future. If a player is feeling like they're just kind of unmoored or something, that can ground them back in the world. I've had GMs do that for me before. It's wonderful.
2: It's, it does it's help a, a lot.
0: It's a very nice thing you can do as a GM.
2: And as always, you know. Remember that if you're retiring a character, that character doesn't really get a whole lot of say in the story after this. So, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. There are also ways to retire characters such that they sort of stay connected. Look at, like, Batgirl becoming Oracle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's always a fun thing. And again, it's that idea of an NPC you keep going back to who you already know. That's a good way to retire a character because, you know, they're there if you change your mind.
0: Something can happen. The uh, the Don running the criminal empire from behind bars is a time-honored trope that has actually happened in reality before, so it's very authentic.
1: (laughs) Um, This can also be a good way to sort of keep a player in the game after a player's had to move somewhere. You can text them during the game and be like... Hey, so the party wants to know this, and they're sending you this message, and and then the person can respond with their message. I've seen that happen before.
2: It's pretty cool. Yeah, and of course, you know, if they ever come back to visit, hey, there's your character right there, ready to go. Yep. Works out well. A couple other notes here. You should play older characters. We talked about this right at the start of the topic. You really should, because if you're not doing that, you're missing out on certain fun I'm going to say tropes or uh, opportunities, really, not even tropes. just Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd say opportunities more than tropes.
2: Yeah, different kind of role play.
1: It's fun. It's really yeah. fun. Please read Howl's Moving Castle.
2: Mm-hmm. Howl's
1: Moving Castle is an excellent examination of the society, societal perceptions around aging. Sophia, the main character, when she's in her old lady form, she's like, oh, yeah, I feel a little tired but I'm allowed to be ornery and bossy and tired and happy. And I'm allowed to express myself. And I am free socially to kind of do whatever I want. I get a little bit of a free pass because I'm old and that's awesome. And it's fun. So she gets to let loose and it, and she talks a little bit about it in the movie, but, like, there's there's a solid argument for why it's cool to be old in the book. Like, I wish I could find the actual page for it, but I can't. I, tr- I tried real hard.
2: The Studio Ghibli movie tries to hit on some of that, but it's kind of telling a slightly different story.
1: It's telling a very different story, I'd say. The book uh, is okay. very, very different from the movie.
2: Fair enough. But it, there's, like, a hint of that in the movie, but I know mm-hmm. that's a much stronger theme in the book. So, yes. By the way, if you haven't seen the movie, also quite good.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I'm not I'm not I'm not dunking on the movie here. Like, like, it's a good movie. It just doesn't have the the page long description of why it's cool to be old.
0: It's the L.A. Confidential thing. Like, they're both excellent works, but they're not as related as you might think. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: Likewise, it's fun to play the mentor
0: character. I really got a lot out of that playing
2: Lambert. Mm-hmm. I found it somewhat therapeutic, actually. But it also made a really good dynamic for the other characters and that and other players. That's the thing. It's not just fun for the player. It's fun for everyone else at the table to have somebody to have that dynamic with. It's good times. Yeah, You know, Aster would not be anywhere near so interesting a character without Lambert there to pick on slash learn from. I was kind of floored when we were bringing Jenny in and
0: Chrissy mentioned that Aster had come around to seeing Lambert as like a surrogate father. I was like, whoa, that one I was not expecting, but it was cool. <laughs> that part of that's my own personal obliviousness, but, eh, well,
2: you know, it's all right. One of my favorite tropes is also the old person who's and we kind of touched on this earlier again, learning new things and just like super delighted by it. Mm hmm. Yeah, you always see like these wonderful stories of like, well, you know, I was always told I couldn't be this, and I finally have retired, and I'm doing it now. We just enrolled our three-year-old, uh, nearly four-year-old. Ah, uh, we just enrolled him in a drum class. Yes, I have a drum for a three-year-old. This was not the best decision I've ever made. It's fine. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but... <laughs> yeah, but it, he's excited to start it. But they have a, a slightly older class. I was talking with someone who works at this studio about this class. It's a adventures in percussion kind of class. It's ages five and up, and up is all the way up. There's a 66-year-old woman in the class who was always told, no, you can't be a drummer. You have to learn piano and violin. She finally retired and said, I'm starting to learn to drum. I've always wanted to drum.
0: I'm <laughs> Give me that to drum. stick.
2: Let me hit something. <laughs> the, the woman told us that. And Chrissy and I both looked at her and was like, yes, that is who we want to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great kind of character is somebody who's like, yeah, I'm new at this. You're like, I'm a first level bard or whatever. But yeah, I'm 60. I just went to bard college. You know, I, I just got my diploma. I was one of the old people walking across the stage that everybody claps for. It's cool, guys. I'm here for that. It's fun. I should have done
0: that with Sigvard. Oh, well. <laughs> I've got many more player characters in oh, me. Oh, <laughs> snarky young guy's
2: also good. It's yeah. fun. A couple other things. There are certain stories that kind of require older characters. Peter touched on The Highwayman earlier. Yeah. Any old cowboy movie yes. that always kind of works well. And anything along those lines. Like, it's just, it fits the trope Unforgiven
0: is the other really well-known example. Like, this old gunfighter gets called out to avenge these people. And, you know... Well,
2: even, like, something like Logan. Yeah. You know? It's just, it, you need that old character for this, the story This to is work. a Western mm. trope through and through. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like, every role Sam Neill has had in his entire life. <laughs>
2: Also that. Certainly there are games where you happen to end up playing an old character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Traveler. Traveler. Let's just call
1: out Traveler, mm-hmm. because like so much of Traveler character creation is completely random. Similar thing with Sharn, I think. Or Harn Master. Not yeah, Sharn. Well, yeah, Harn Master.
2: Yeah. Super granular games. Palladium uh systems often, you know, you're rolling for it and where am I in birth order? Birth order is actually a chart in Palladium stuff. It's it's super nonsensical, but you can ask, certainly end up playing an old character with weird things going on, and that's fun. Roll mm-hmm. with it, as it were.
0: Real quick co- correction, I meant Sam Elliott, not Sam Neill, although it... Sort of fits Sam Neill, too, actually. But Sam Elliott was the guy I was thinking. I of. just
2: went with it because I was pretending I knew what you were talking about.
0: Ah, OK. I'm sure some of our listeners would have corrected me. So <laughs> get that in there. Sam Elliott. He's been old for his entire life, and he's the awesome kind of old. And all of his roles have reflected that.
3: And
2: I guess, you know, there are certain systems where if you're min-maxing, definitely want to you want to be old. Go for yeah. it. You know, play your D&D 3.5 Wizard. Make sure they're old. Yep. Play an It
0: works out great. There's a particular DMs Guild product that I'll link in the show notes that has rules for playing characters all the way down to tweens and all the way up to, like, really, really old people like we've been talking about. It's not a huge modification to them. It's almost like a little tiny template with, like, two abilities on top of like one positive and one negative for anything except for like that prime years that everybody's kind of default assumed to be. Take a look at that if you're playing 5e and you want to start messing around with age.
2: It's really well done. It will be linked in the show notes. So here's the thing about that. I kind of like I appreciate that it's there and my min maxi self really wants it to be there. I also kind of hate it because I love the idea of just saying, yeah, you know, I rolled up a barbarian. There's sixty five. Sure. You can take either approach
0: and they're both equally valid. If you want some crunch for it, it's there and I have found
2: it for you. Yeah, I just I, I've always kind of had a problem with you make your character as they are at their like default adventuring age and then adjust them rather than wouldn't it be cool if this character were also an unusual age and had these stats like for me, it's full on squeaky.
1: I, I I will be honest. It full on squicks me out because it's tending towards age as a nerf. If that makes sense, yeah. Like, like, and I haven't read it, so I don't know if that's the case. But like, like, like my dad, my dad will ski to work. He is mid sixties at this point. He is more physically fit than a lot of the guys who are my age who work with him.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so like,
1: it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility, that an old person is going to be more physically... It's just, there's such a huge amount of variance across the mortal spectrum that I don't want to mechanize that too, too hard.
2: It's the same squicky note for me as, oh, you have to adjust your stats if you're playing a a male or female character.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, same brand of squick.
0: This thing that I have dodged that at least in my opinion, which is one of the reasons why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay.
2: fair. It's just, it like, it rubs me the wrong way, but it- Yeah,
1: like, for me, this is a very personal thing. Like, if you want to mechanize old age, go and do it, please. Uh, do it with respect. Do it nice. But I'm not gonna do that.
2: Appearance <laughs> yeah. stats, wizards. You need it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> eh, i'll talk with you guys more about this
2: off yeah, the mics, yeah, yeah. but i don't have a whole lot more other than i would say following up on jenny's last point be respectful mm-hmm. just like playing any other character who is kind of defined by some particular trait don't treat it as a joke
3: yeah right yeah.
2: don't be ableist don't be ageist you know if you want to play an old character Think about that and give it some serious thought. Don't be, hey, I'm playing an old granny. You know, like, make it interesting. Yeah. And don't be a jerk about it.
1: And talk to real old people.
2: Yeah, I mean, do that anyway, honestly. As yeah. Christians, go do that. Yeah. Some of the appeal of
0: playing older characters for me has come around from a particular group of retired guys at my church mm-hmm. who I have really come to respect, like the life experience and just... Breath and depth of skill contained in those guys, I'm sure you've met the old retired engineer who can fix literally oh, yeah. anything, right? Of course, yeah. Those guys usually do, I mean, a lesser form of them exists and like they're, you know, as they're getting to that point, a 65 to 75 year old retired engineer...
2: Or woodworker or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: Or like anybody who's who's done that kind of stuff is just a fascinating person to hang out with and talk to. Oh, yeah.
2: Because they know so much cool stuff. There are a lot of wonderful examples of models for old characters who are great adventurers in scripture
1: and mm, even yeah. beyond mm-hmm, scripture mm-hmm.
2: in the history of the church. Yes. Turns out 2000 years plus also everything, you know, before the founding of Christianity and the founding of the church, there's a lot of human history to draw from there. You know, I've been talking about Pontifex occasionally, right? Like, look at, like, the history of the popes and the, you know, the church and everything going on, not just in the Catholic Church, but throughout Christendom. All sorts of characters from, you know, the first couple books of the Bible especially. You have all these, you know, older characters who are nonetheless these powerful patriarchs and – heavily involved in really dramatic action. They're great models for this because they aren't just tropey.
0: People like Moses and Abraham and David and stuff. I mean, like we learn about the old age of a lot of the Old Testament saints. A lot of them.
2: Mm -hmm. They're great characters and absolutely look into those if you're looking for a model because it's really worth doing. Let's wrap this up. Really appreciate everybody uh, taking the time to listen to us. If you like this episode, you have things to say about it. Reach out to us on social media, facebook.com slash saving the game, twitter.com slash saving the game. Join our discord and go to our website, stgcast.org. That's where you find links to all of our old episodes, all of Peter's awesome blog posts, uh, links to our discord. I'm going to keep plugging that for good reason. Seriously, join it. It's great people. Uh, You can find links to our Patreon there. You can find links to all sorts of good stuff. You know, if you like this episode, Share it around, rate and review us on iTunes, rate and review us on Podchaser, you know, a couple other sites like that. We um, we do have a Podchaser link out there if you use that. It's a pretty cool site. And, you know, you can rate not just individ- our podcast, but individual episodes, which is kind of cool. You know, if you ever want to do that, go for it. Ratings and reviews really do help us a ton. And again, if you want to support us through Patreon, but that's always appreciated. Helps us pay our server hosting and, you know, do things uh, for the podcast to really kind of help improve the podcast. So Mm -hmm. it's good stuff. I am looking forward to the next couple of episodes. We've got one or two more things. We're not quite sure what we're doing. We've got a a thing we're trying to follow up on, and then we're going to be picking up our alignments discussion again. But we we wanted to kind of take a little break from that and get in some other topics.
0: Probably have about... This one plus maybe two more, and then we'll probably head back to the alignments here. Yeah, sounds we, about right. We wanted to avoid having the series stretch out over a really long period of time, like we did with the Ten Commandments. So we're gonna, <coughs> we're not gonna yeah. do all nine of them in a row, but we we are gonna, you know, do a batch, break them up with a few, do
2: another batch, break them up with a few. So, well, from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See, See you ya. later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website, at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless,
3: do good, and happy gaming.